The topic for tonight, as you may have become aware of, is not some ghostly topic, but it nevertheless deals with the aspect of what generally interests everybody, the aspects of sihar, what we term as jadu, jinnat, and so on. This is the natural situation of every person, it's human nature, that we generally are afraid of something that we are unaware of, something we cannot understand, something we cannot see, something we don't know about. It's human nature, we are afraid of it. Somebody tells us to put our hand into one sack, it's just time, let's just put our hand inside. A person will be very hesitant, what is inside the sack? There might be some snakes in there, there might be some scorpions in there, there might be something else that will be harmful. So how can he be expected to put his hand inside? But then the person opens it and shows it, there's nothing inside, it's empty. Now when he sees it's empty, now he doesn't hesitate one foot, the fear is gone, everything now is very easy for him to understand, very clear. So likewise is this issue with Jabu, Sihar, and Jinns, and so on, that it is generally something in the unseen world, and because we don't understand it, we are very afraid of it, but that fear sometimes becomes so irrational, overwhelming, that it drives the person to do things which are incorrect, it drives the person to do things which are far away from being, it affects his Imam in so many ways. So therefore the first thing is to understand what is the reality of this. The reality in the sense that how really weak it is. That it has no chance in the face of Haq. This is Bati. It is something that is totally devoid of any good in it. It is evil. But in the face of Haq, in the face of the words of Allah Taala stands no chance. As far as Sihar is concerned, black magic, jadu, this is something we can understand what is reality is in the incidents of Sayyidina Musa al-Nabina al-Salaam, which Allah Taala in numerous places in the Quran Sharif gives us this incident. When Musa al-Salaam, Harun al-Salaam, 
they were engaged in calling the people towards Allah Ta'ala, Fir'aun and the Bani Israel, Fir'aun and his people. So Fir'aun finally now to try and divert the people away from them and from their dawah. So he now accuses them of witchcraft, accuses them of sorcery. And says that these two people, إِنَّ هَذَانِ لَسَاحِرَانِ يُرِيدَانِ يُخْرِجَاتٌ مِنْ أَوْدِكُمَا بِسْتِحْرِهِمَا وَيَذْهَبَا بِتَرِيقَتِكُمُ الْمُسْلَمَ These are two sahirin, they are two magicians. And these two magicians are just now, Musa had given him the mojiza, the miracle, he would throw down his stick and he would turn into a snake. And other miracles as well. So now he gave all this the title of magic. This was just the diversion, and this keeps happening in dunya. When somebody is trying to distract people from the truth, trying to divert people from the state path, and all kinds of confusion will be brought about, all kinds of various ways to try and put a person into a different mindset. So here also he brought about this confusion, that they are just magicians. And therefore, we will now defeat them at their own game. So how will we defeat them at their own game? He gave the instruction that all the magicians of the land, at the time of Musa Salam, in Egypt at that time, magic, sorcery, black magic and all these things were at its height, at its peak. And as a result, Allah had given Musa such a mu'ajiza, that was the thing that would break this. So in any case, this was at its peak. So Fir'aun gave the instruction, gather all these magicians from throughout the land. And it is narrated that 80,000 of these expert magicians were gathered. 80,000 of them, and Fir'aun offered them great prizes, a lot of rewards, that if they are successful in this, they will be rewarded very greatly. And he was so confident about what he is doing, and the defeat of Musa Salaam, that he invited the whole population to come and spectate also. Everybody is invited now to come and see now this defeat of these two people. In any case, everybody came. And all these magicians, 80,000 of them, each one has got a string and a stick. String in one hand, stick in the other hand. Eventually now they are on this open field, Musa and Harun on one side, and all these magicians on the other side. So now they finally, the time has come to do what is to be done. So they say to Musa that are you going to make the first move or do we make the first move? So Musa replied to them, you, you go ahead. You make the first move. فَلَمَّا أَلْقَوْا سَحَرُوا أَعْيُنَ النَّاسِ وَاسْتَرْهَبُوهُمْ وَجَاءُوا بِسِحْرٍ عَظِيمٍ So they now threw these sticks and strings on the floor and cast their spell on it. The Quran says that they brought this sudden fear in everyone. And all these sticks and strings that they threw onto the floor these all suddenly appeared to be like snakes slithering away. All slithering on one another and this huge mass. So when this came, everybody was shocked. What is this? What is this? 
اللہ تبارک و تعالیٰ امیڈیٹلی انسٹرکٹڈ موسا علیہ السلام السلام قلنا لا تخف انک انت الاعلى وَأَلْقِ مَا فِي يَمِينِكَ تَلْقَفْ مَا صَنَعُوا إِنَّمَا صَنَعُوا كَيْدُ سَاحِرُ وَلَا يُفْتِحُ السَّاحِرُ حَيْثُ عَتَعُ اللہ تعالیٰ انسٹرکٹڈ موسیٰ علیہ السلام فرسطین لا تخف Don't fight for this One was that natural human little fear that comes in a person when he sees something strange So that to that extent is human nature But Allah Ta'ala immediately said don't fight about this So this is the first lesson in it, that this is not something to become irrationally afraid of. That one little degree of some human nature, that is obvious, every person has a little apprehension. But it's not something to fight about. And generally, the person who is brave against these things doesn't have it. So in any case, Allah Ta'ala said, La Ta'ala, Inna Ka'anta Al-A'la, you will be dominant, you will get the upper hand. Because you are with Haq. And these people have come with Baatiri. Baatiri can never overcome Haq. And that is the lesson of Qiyamah. As long as we remain on Haq, we remain on the truth, we remain on the way that Allah has given us, on the way that Nabi Salaam has taught us, tests can come. Challenges can come. Because this is dunya. Dunya is a place of tests. لِيَبْرُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا Allah Ta'ala has placed us in dunya to test us. So tests and challenges can come, but a person remains firmly on haq, he can never ever be overcome. He will have the upper hand at the end of the day. So in any case, Allah Ta'ala said, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْأَعْلَى وَأَلْقِ مَا فِي يَمِينِكَ Now what you have in your hand, your stick, you throw that down. تَلْقَفْ مَا صَنَعُونَ All this what they have concocted, just really mesmerizing the eyes of people. This what you will throw down, you will swallow up all this. So Musa threw that staff of his down. And that became a huge serpent. And it began swallowing up all these, whatever looked like snakes, rhythming away. And the Mufasidin explained that if all this had to be gathered, it would have been the load of 300 camels. The whole valley was full of it. And this serpent, this swallowed up everything. Allah Ta'ala declared this. Talqaf ma sana'u. It will swallow all this what they have concocted. Inna ma sana'u kaydu sahib. What they have done is merely the trick of a magician. Wala yuttah sahibu haythu ata. And a magician can never ever succeed no matter where he may be. This is the first lesson to embed in our hearts. That this is something very very flimsy. Because it is batim. What Allah Ta'ala has given us is haq. The Qur'an Shariq, the way of Rasulullah this is haq. And this has the strength which nothing can overcome. So any case when these magicians also saw what happened, they were masters at their field. But when they saw this, they realized this is beyond magic. This got nothing to do with magic. This has got nothing to do with sorcery. This is something beyond human effort. And they immediately realize that these are the Nabis of Allah Taala. In our terms, they will say these people are in a different league. We can't believe them, but they saw the truth also. That this is something what we were doing is just all tricking people. This is reality. As a result, this entire 
great number of magicians, 80,000, all accepted Imam there and there. So this is the, the summary of these incidents that are mentioned in the Quran Sharif regarding this encounter of Musa and these magicians and how they eventually became believers in Allah Ta'ala and then immediately Fir'aun then threatened also that if you don't give up this, I will kill you, I will hang you on the on trees and I will cut off your hands and legs and whatever else you threaten. They said you can go ahead and do what you want. This Imam is now in our hearts. And you can only, only affect us to the external selves, but our Imam we cannot touch him. So any case, this is the incident that happened, which Allah Ta'ala mentions in many places in the Quran. But this brings to us this lesson about this Haq versus Baqir. And the first thing to bring in this, in our hearts and minds is, the Yaqeen and the firm conviction that these things are nothing. And they can do nothing in themselves. Everything happens only by the permission in the will of Allah. And we have to have that firm yaqeen and conviction that Allah alone is the doer. So we Allah and everything. The world Allah Ta'ala has made a place of means. And Allah Ta'ala's will is that certain things will have certain effects. But that is by the permission of Allah Ta'ala. Fire has the effect of burning. So it will burn. But Allah Ta'ala wants to take the effect away. Like in the case of Ibrahim Ismail And like that, in any other thing that Allah Ta'ala has placed by the internal of the system of dunya, has placed a certain effect, generally it will happen like that. By the will of Allah Allah Ta'ala world will come out also. So the first thing is not to put too much of attention or focus too much of attention to these things. Because when a person focuses too much attention to these things, then his iman starts getting affected, his yaqeen starts getting affected. And he starts regarding these things, people get so deep into conspiracy theories and the Freemasons and the New World Order and whatever else, and the Jal, meaning beyond what is mentioned was the Ahadith, and all the other conspiracy theories, they get so deep into it that eventually they start believing these are the things controlling the world. And these are the things that are pulling the strings. But it is also all makhluk. And they have no power beyond what Allah Ta'ala has allowed them. So the first thing is not to pay too much attention to these things. The second thing is that when a person gets too deep in it, another issue that becomes the problem is that it becomes a means of psychological defeat. The person now becomes a victim of hopelessness. Now this is beyond me, what can I do about this? So he now doesn't even want to help himself. And what the initial problem was, there was a problem, this becomes a bigger problem. This becomes a problem above the problem. His own problem within himself, his psychological defeat, he doesn't want to help himself anymore. Mujahid Rahimullah was the student of Abdullah Abbas He once came to Abdullah Abbas and he says to him, that I often see these jinnat or chiyati and I see them. They become apparent and visible in front of me. And I become extremely afraid. Like Abbas asked him to explain first, describe what you see. So he described 
So he said, yes, what you are saying is what you are saying. You are saying this Tira Ghat, Shayatan, Tira Ghinna. But then he said to him, don't ever be afraid. Because they are afraid of you just as you are afraid of them. So, don't become the bigger coward. In other words, both are there. So to say both are cowards, you fighting, they fighting also. Don't become the bigger coward. You make sure you pluck up the courage and be the braver one. Mujahid Ali says, subsequent to this discussion, I one day again saw this shaitan in front of me, this jinn. So he says, I plucked up the courage and I picked up a stick and I charged it. He says, I saw it flee and I heard it fall. And ever since I stopped fighting for these things. Now when he showed that bravery and courage, he didn't succumb to fear. Now, this was the advice of Abdullah bin Abbas he says, they fight for you and they are afraid of you just as you fight for them. So don't become the bigger coward. So he did this and he says, I can charge into the stick. It read, fled and I heard it fall. So this is the second thing. That when a person starts paying too much attention to these things, then he becomes the victim of his own despondency. And then the third thing that happens here is that this becomes a means of escapism. That everything gets lumped onto Jamu and Jinn. Something got lost, maybe the Jinnah took it. I mean, he dropped it somewhere, the Jinnah must have taken it. So everything the Jinnah took it, paid for it. Anything went wrong, somebody did some Jamu. So somebody, in a real cases, brought somebody to an Amir. The Amir was a sincere Amir. And he checked everything, he said, look, there's nothing wrong with him. In terms of what you're watching here for, there's nothing wrong with him. Check something else. And finally they checked up, they found he was on drugs. So now they attributed that strange behavior, whatever else was going on, somebody did something. But somebody, what they did, nothing, he did it to himself. One person suddenly became very disinterested in his wife. Totally disinterested. Now they, they had the sculpture, this army, that army, nothing worked. Eventually they put some People behind him, they found out why he was so disinterested in his wife was going to be just interested in somebody else's wife. So that was the whole jinnah. So this escapism, now a person is not accountable for anything. Everything lumped somewhere else. One person was really ill, but the, they don't even really want to take him through for a diagnosis also. And as a result, the illness carried on getting worse. And now when it was too late to treat it, now it came to terms of reality that there is nothing else here but a medical problem. So these are problems that come about as a result of focusing too much attention on these things. But while this is the one side of it, that we don't focus too much attention on it. At the same time, we cannot deny that this is a reality. That is the other extreme. Some go on one extreme, they make this the be all and end all. And the whole yakin gets affected and gets transferred onto these things. And the other extreme is total denial of these realities also. So this is a reality, it is a reality even affected Rasulullah. This is a reality. In the hadith, the details are mentioned that in the seventh year of Hijri, Hijra after Rasulullah was returning from Hudaybiyah. 
the Jews now were very anxious to do something. So they came to the meeting and asked them. And they said to him that you are an expert magician and sorcerer. We've tried this so many times and we failed. You do something. If you get it right, then we will give you these three gold coins. So he started casting whatever his spell was. And it happened that the beast now sometimes got affected with this. And he got affected to the point that only was affected, he was affected only in his day-to-day mundane things. To the extent that, for example, he would feel hungry and would come to eat, but then he would feel like as if he's already eaten. He would approach his wife and would feel that he's already past this. So day-to-day things of this nature, Allah's protection obviously was totally in every other aspect that it didn't affect anything in terms of his vision, his da'wah, in terms of deen, in terms of his amal, etc. Nothing could get affected. But in these day-to-day things, Nabi Islam was also a human being, though a very, very great human being. A human being beyond other human beings. But being human, he also felt a headache. Aisha Rabbillah once said to him, Wa Oof, my headache is so severe. Nabi Islam said, Bal wa Your headache, you are talking about mine, even worse. He also felt hunger, he tied two stones to his belly once, to suppress the pangs of hunger. So Nabi Islam also felt these human emotions, feelings, pains, etc. So on that human level, this affected him also. But what happened thereafter? First, when the Islam got affected, and this continued for about six months. Initially, Nabi Islam took it as a medical problem. And he underwent medical treatment. And the form of the medical treatment he underwent was cupping. On his head, he had cupping performed. This was part of the medical treatment that he underwent. And together with that was dua. But then after some time, it became apparent that this has got no basis in the medical side of it. It's not a medical issue. Subsequently, this became apparent that the medical treatment is not making any difference. But again, here at this point, the first lesson in this is that Nabi Islam didn't jump to some sorcery. Magic was happening before that. It was not something happening for the first time. It was something that was known that these things happened. But he didn't jump to that conclusion. He went through the normal process of things. He first treated it as a medical issue. And he went through the normal process of medical treatment. And together with that dua. But then when it became apparent that this treatment is not making any difference, then Nabi Islam confined and restricted himself to dua. And how much of dua in the Rewaid of Muslim Sharif is mentioned that one night, Nabi Islam was making dua all the time. And then one night, he started making dua for da'a Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, summa da'a, summa da'a. As Aisha radiallahu is saying that Nabi Islam that night made dua. And then he made even more dua. And then he made even more dua, as you might say, dua upon dua. And this is the real solution to this issue. Dua is unfortunately neglected. A person will stand sometimes five hours in the army's queue, but he won't make five minutes dua. 
He'll spend thousands of rands on various treatments of whatever sort, but he won't spend five minutes also making dua sometimes. These are not generalizations, but often this is the case. So, Hadith also made dua upon dua, and then the next day or two days later, he one day, one morning said to Hazrat Aisha Rabbi that Allah Ta'ala has answered my dua. Allah Ta'ala opened out to me what I was asking. And then he explained that this witchcraft has been, what actually how it was revealed to him was in the dream that these last received as the Jibreel Salatu Salam at his head side, Mikhail Salatu Salam at his feet side. Mikhail Salatu Salam is asking the question that what is wrong with him, why, what is he suffering from? Jibreel Salatu Salam replied and said, it's Sihar, it is black magic. So he asked that who did it? Who is responsible for this? Yudhisthalaam replied and says, Nabi ibn Asam. Then, says, what it has been done on? Or what has this spell been cast? Says, he mushkin, or mushatati. This has been cast on a comb, and the hair that got left in the comb. So this hair is also something not to just dispose in a negligent way, it's something to burn something to be collected and kept safely and then buried. Unfortunately, many a times it is just thrown anywhere, anyhow. So this is something to be treated correctly. So in any case, and he gave the detail in which well is buried, all these details were given. The Bishnasaram then instructed some Sahaba Ikram to go to this well. Then he went himself with certain, several other Sahaba and they came there to this well, later on Nabi Sallallahu informed that Aisha Radhiallahu that as a result of this sihr that was buried in there, the water of that well had turned red. And the day palms that were alongside this well, ka annaha shayateen. The head of these palms were resembling the heads of shayateen. This was the effect of this jadu. It was so severe that Labib ibn Asam's sister said to the people that now this has been done, wait and see now what happens. One of the two things will happen. Either he's a Nabi, if he's a Nabi, then he'll come to know about it. He'll be informed. And if he's not a Nabi, this is so severe in a short while, he'll make him totally insane. But Allah Ta'ala protected Nabi Sallallahu and revealed this whole detail to him. In any case, all the water from this well was removed and one Sahabi then descended and he pulled out this from under a rock. This was all buried under a rock there. He pulled this out from under the rock and when this was brought out, at that time, the last two surahs of the Quran Shari were revealed. Abu Sa'id, he mentioned this about these two surahs which inshallah we will discuss this now. The last two surahs are what Nabi Islam then confined himself to this amal, the recitation of these surahs, as a protection from all these things. In any case, this was accepted, and Nabi Islam read these two surahs, there were eleven knots on the head height, and as he went on reading, each knot opened out, there are eleven ayat in these two surahs put together, and Allah Ta'ala gave him total relief. There was a waxed figure, also buried with it, and holder of twins, poked into this. And each time when he saw some red one eye and pulled out one pin, he felt a tremendous pain and then felt relief. And then finally when all this was out, he got total relief. 
So in this way, this whole thing was now finally over. As Aisha explained all this, this is what has happened. Allah opened this out to me. She immediately asked that should we not burn This Nabi bin Asam, should we not burn Should we not kill him? He's done such a terrible thing. Nabi Islam said, nasi sharran. I don't want to create any mischief and fitna on people now. I'm going to have him killed and this will create an issue. But now the lesson in this is that Nabi Islam was given the identity of the person responsible for this from wahi, from revelation, which was 100% certain by Nabi Islam. But despite that, Nabi Islam didn't take any revenge. And he even had full power away. He could have done what he wanted to do. But he just forgave him and overlooked it. Now, this is information that came from Wahi, but who's responsible? But yet, Nabi Islam didn't take any action. So, how can it ever be permissible to take action or to believe something that has come via some information through some army that this person did this and that person did that, whereas that army's information is either some speculation. And speculation is speculation. And to speculate these kind of things will tend them out to slander, will tend them out to bhutan. When the person is being accused of something, there is no proper proof for that. And sometimes it comes via information from jinnat. And jinnat also lie. Like insan lies, unfortunately many insan lie also. Jinnat sometimes lie far beyond insan. So there is no way of being certain that is this information correct or incorrect. It has to be discarded. And it is totally incorrect, totally impermissible to believe such information, to act on such information that so and so did this, people start taking that as something certain. They will break off family ties with the person and some will do what not. All this is totally impermissible. You can't amount to slander and the this last one was told by some Wahi, but he didn't take action. What, what piece is our information from? Nobody gets Wahi. The Wahi doors of Wahi are closed. So, in any case, on this occasion, these ayat were revealed. Now, this is the aspect of what is, on the one hand, that not to be giving too much of attention to this. On the other hand, this is a reality. Now, what is the middle part in this? The middle part is that a person protects himself with the divine shield. The divine protection. The protection that has come down from the side of Allah. Now, what is this divine protection? The first thing is the Quran Sharif. This is the divine protection. This is the word of Allah. And the power of Tilawah is something that we underestimate. In fact, we don't even have any idea of the power of Tilawah. And the power of the words of Allah One incident that took place not long ago in one of the suburbs of Durban, in one maktab there were two children that were attending the maktab regularly. Suddenly out of the blue they just stopped coming. So the ustad went and tried to now somehow find out what's going on, but he just couldn't get in contact. The mother didn't want to allow any contact initially, then they weren't even living there anymore. So in any case now he couldn't make any contact with them, some time passed. They let the incident just to cut it short. One day the mother suddenly came back with the children. And she says that I want to admit them to the mother's argument. So he said, very well, welcome. 
You say, what happened? Where did all these days? So the long and short of it was that she herself was a revert. She had been married to a person who the father was a born Muslim, but something happened and the father then disappeared, separated and disappeared. So she was alone with these children and she got involved with another Christian person. So he became, so to say, the father. He stopped these children from coming to the madrasa. And then they went away somewhere else, to live somewhere else. And it happened in that time that she suddenly became very ill. Now, again, the same routine when doctors and all couldn't seem to find out what's the problem. So then they went to this Sangoma and that person and this person and nothing seemed to be helping. And her health was getting worse by the day. Now these two children, one was in grade 5, the other in grade 1. They were in the maktab. Some time prior. And for a good couple of months they were not there anymore. One day now, they're sitting with their mother who is now so sick and out of the blue now it struck them something. They suddenly said to her, this is how she's explaining the story. They said to her, you're going all over the place. Let us read what we learned in Maktab. So the one child who was in grade 5, he had remembered some surahs, the last 10 surahs or something that he remembered. He started reading that. The other child knew his kalimahs. He started reading that. And his mother is saying, as they started reading, I'm feeling relief. And they continue reading in over a few days. They tell on readers repeatedly. And in a few days' time, I was completely cured from what I was running with health as shelter for the cure. And you see, when this happened, it opened my eyes. That where am I going to? What am I doing? And when this person now who I'm living with, he also saw all this for himself. So he also had accepted, decided to accept Islam. And become, he wants to become a Muslim and make a Nika this is the power of the word of Allah. So this is the first thing is that bring tilawat alive in our homes. This is a divine shield. Bring tilawat of the Quran Sharif alive in our homes. In the hadith, Rasulullah says, Alladhi leysa fi jawfi shayun min al-Quran tal baytil kharib O kama qala al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That heart wherein there is no Quran is like a deserted house. A deserted house becomes a haunted house. So a deserted heart becomes a haunted heart. Then the shayateen and the jinnat and all these things find its way through. So the stilawat must come alive. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu says that in al-baytah quran that home wherein the Quran Sharif is recited, ittasa'abi ahli that home becomes a place of comfort for its inhabitants. It might be a small little hut, it might be the most simple dwelling, but it becomes a place of peace and comfort. Because this comes from Allah Ta'ala's side. And وَكَسُرَ خَيْرُهُ The barakat start increasing in that home. وَحَدَرَتْهُ malaika. The angels start inhabiting that house. وَخَرَدَتْ مِنْهُ الشَّيَاطِينَ And the shayateen and the jinnat etc. they flee from the house. وَإِنَّ الْبَيْتَ الَّذِي لَا يُبْتَى فِيهِ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ but that home wherein the book of Allah Ta'ala is not recited. In that home, ala ahlihi. It becomes a place of very, becomes constrained on its people. That is always like a place that a person is feeling claustrophobic in there. The world is so big also a person feels claustrophobic even very A person is living in a most spacious house and he's feeling claustrophobic in it. He's living in the lap of luxury, but he's got no peace in it. Sometimes the person says, I don't feel like going home. 
Because it's no more home, it has become just, just a house. It's not a home. A home is a place of warmth, a place of happiness, a place of comfort, a place of love. But this is something devoid of all that. So now when there's no tilawat of the Quran he says, Da'a ala ahlihi. And, وَقَلَّ خَيْرُهُ The barakat then disappears. وَخَرَجَتْ بِنْهُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels leave the home. وَحَدَرَتْهُ الشَّيَاتِينَ And the shaitan and the shayateen and jinnat start inhabiting the home. So this first thing is the tilawat of the Quran In terms of the divine shield that Allah Ta'ala has given us. One is general tilawat of the Quran This should be a part and parcel of every home. Every person in the household must have a program of tilawat. And Imam Muhammad he says that it is the minimum requirement for every Muslim that apart from the month of Ramadan, he makes at least two khatams in a year. At least that much of tilawat, at least two khatams in a year he makes. So this will be just approximately under quarter para if he decides daily, then too he'll make his two khatams in a year. So general tilawat. But then together with general tilawat, there are certain specific aspects of the Quran Sharif which Nabi Islam himself described which have a very, very deep effect in terms of protection from these elements and so on. One is the recitation of Ayat al-Kursi. In Bukhari Sharif, it's the, the Fadilat and the virtue of Ayat al-Kursi is mentioned. The crux of it is, first we recite Ayat al-Kursi, Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyum qayyum, till the end of the ayat, then Allah Ta'ala appoints that angel to guard over him. And the shayateen cannot approach him hatta kusbiha, hatta yusbiha, until the morning comes, until he reaches the morning. So this is the effect of Ayat al-Kursi. Unfortunately, sometimes people go to bed reading what not, looking at what not, and what other things. The person is going to bed with all the shayateen, with the box, and whatever folks is watching on that, and horror movies is seeing, and the other horror thing that is looking and reading in novels and whatever else, all these things become the doorways for all these effects. So the home should be a place that is filled with tilawat, with dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, with ta'aleem, with all these good things. Then this becomes the divine protection. So one is the recitation of Ayat al-Kursi. And Abdul Rahman ibn Awad radiallahu mentioned when he would come back home after the Isha Salah, that he would stand in each of the four corners of his home and recite Ayat al-Kursi as a form of protection from every corner, from every direction. Then the other thing that Nabi Islam prescribed very, very strongly was the recitation of the Mu'awwadatayn, the last two surahs of the Qur'an Shalim, Surah Falaq and Surah Nas. And Abu Sa'id Khudri he said that initially Nabi Islam would keep making ta'awwad, seeking Allah's protection, minal jaan, from the jinnat and from the effects of the evil eye. Because this to eye muhaqqur. The effects of the eye in the hadith that these thousand says is a reality. It has an effect. Allah Ta'ala has made it a part of the system. So, initially he would seek Allah Ta'ala's protection from these things. Until the mu'awwadatan until the two surahs, the last two surahs of the Qur'an Shari were revealed. And Falamma nazalata akhada bihima wa tarakama siwahuma When these two surahs came, Nabi Islam adhered strongly to this alone. In terms of the divine protection. 
from these issues and elements. And everything else he now left aside for that time, he now confined himself to the constant recitation of these two surahs. In one hadith, Nabi Islam says, a person hasn't asked Allah Ta'ala anything with, by means of anything greater than these two surahs. And he hasn't sought protection from Allah Ta'ala by means of anything greater than these two surahs. So when is these two surahs to be recited? In one hadith, Uqba bin Amr says, Nabi Islam ordered me recited after every salah. After every salah, the ma'a was attained. And in one hadith, Aisha radiallahu has said that Nabi Islam when he would come to bed, he would sit on his bed, and then he would hold his hands up like in the manner of dua. And he would recite the last three pulls, the last three surahs, the three pulls, surah ikhlas, surah khalaq, surah nas. And then after reciting these three surahs, he would blow into his hands with his palms, and then rub it over his body, over his face, and all over the front of his body, as far as his hands could reach, he would pass his hands over. And then he would repeat this process another two times, three times in total. So at least one time, and some hadith is mentioned once also, perhaps on some occasions he did it once, some occasions he did it thrice. So at least one time, three times all the better, this is the second occasion for the recitation of these two surahs as well. And he says one occasion I came out on a stormy, very dark night looking for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I finally found him. The crux of the hadith, he says, Nabi Sallallahu said to me, recite. I said, decide what? So eventually he said, decide, and he recited these three surahs for me. And then he said, the person who recites these three surahs, surah Ikhlas, surah Khalaq, surah Nas, three times each morning and evening. Then, Recite this morning and evening three times each, Yakfika bin kulli shayi will suffice for you from everything. Mullah Bihari Ahmad explains bin kulli sharm, from every evil, jinn, jabu, whatever else, this will become sufficient for you. So these are the occasions to recite these two surahs. And together with the recitation of these two surahs, the one is still out of the Quran the recitation of these surahs, and then dua. Together with that dua, we already discussed the dua, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, how much of dua. Together with that dua, begging from Allah Ta'ala His help, begging help for ourselves, for our families, for the entire ummah, and every aspect, begging from Allah Ta'ala. Together with that, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught specific duas also. And gave specific guidance in terms of certain recitations. One of the duas, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam instructed on Sahabi to read, that decide out the kalimat Allah tamma min ghadabihi wa shari ibadihi wa min hamazati shayateen wa iyahdurun This is in the Rewite of Tumbi Zishari that seek the protection of Allah Ta'ala from with Allah Ta'ala's pure names and complete names from all these evils and from all the evil of sorcery and jinnat or whatever else so this is a dua also then the other thing is when a person enters his home and he closes the door to recite Bismillah and close the door. In the Sahih Ahadith it is mentioned, the person enters his home, closes the door with Bismillah. Then the Shayateen says, this house got no accommodation. He closes the door with Bismillah, this place is close to us. And then when he eats with Bismillah, the Shayateen says, there's no food also here. There's nothing in this house for us, go somewhere else. But the person who closes the door without Bismillah, so in Various riwayat is mentioned 
that the shayateen call upon one another, they fight one another, that here you have found mabeel, there's accommodation available here, come along. And when he starts eating without bismillah, they say there's food also here, there's a meal as well, you've got full body blood here. So the shayateen come and inhabit that, inhabit that home, where a person has closed the door without bismillah. How could it seem like there's something in passing? No Muslim in the world will tell us it's far away. But this again is the other very great lesson that this is sunnah. But omitting the sunnah also have their consequences. Just neglecting and omitting something that can easily be done. It has its consequences. So any case to recite Bismillah at these times, then when a person is entering the toilet, before he enters the toilet, to recite the Muslim dua at that time. To recite the Muslim dua, Allahumma inya'udhu bika min al-khubuti wal-khabayi. And Bismillah before that, and this dua, Nabi Islam says, the person who recites this dua, recites, takes the name of Allah Ta'ala, and then enters the toilet, then Allah Ta'ala casts a veil between him and the shayateen. And if he goes without this, then the shayateen interfere with him. So now he becomes a victim of their issues and their spells and whatever else. The other aspect is, this was when entering the home, keeping the shayateen out of the house, when leaving the home, protecting oneself from the effect of the shayateen outside the home. That a person leaving the home, leaves in a Muslim manner, with the Muslim dua, Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah, la hawra wa la quwata illa billah. In Sahih Hadith, he mentioned, person recites this and leaves the home, then a caller calls out, and he says to him, Hudiza, wa kufiza, wa muqiza, subhanallah. What great things he has received. Hudiza, you have been guided. Wa kufiza, your needs have been fulfilled. Wa muqiza, you have been given protection. And then he stated, wa tanaha anhu shayateen. The shaitan then flee away from him. They stay away from him. This person is protected. And the shayateen say to one another, the case of the Billadi Khadu, Hudiya, Wakufiya, Wawuhiya, what can we do about such a person who has been guided, who has been protected, who has been taken care of? How can we affect him? So these are the things to learn, the things to practice on. This is the divine protection. And these are the things that we should adhere to. So on the one hand, this is something not to pay too much attention to. But at the same time, this is not something to deny either. The middle part is that we take on the divine protection and we keep our yaqeen in Allah ta'ala and the less we fear about these things, the less it affects us. Maharashtra he was born, he was still a little baby and at that time there was one jinn that was famously known, people used to now encounter this person, this jinn and he was, he should come at a lot of Difficulties for people and whatever else. So he appeared suddenly. And he said to his mother, You go and take this perfume, cotton wool, and go and put it on certain graves now. Otherwise, I'll kill him. So she said very calmly, and this person, this jinn was, had become famously known because he appears often. So she said calmly, and she said, You want to kill him, baby? He's in front of you, go ahead. Not that she was wishing for that. She was challenging him that you can't do it. If you think you can do it, go ahead, try. Mm. So he continued threatening. And she carried on giving the same reply and said, Come He even tried whatever he could give away, he might have tried. He couldn't get close to the child. 
and eventually disappear. So the thing is not to be paying too much attention to these things. But at the same time, we protect ourselves with this divine protection. And together with protecting ourselves with this divine protection, then dunya is going to be less a place of tests. Sometimes this type of test and challenge can befall somebody. But after a person has taken these processes, as a last resort, if it becomes necessary to refer to an army, then this is a treatment. Like a person for a medical treatment, he goes to somebody who has some knowledge of that field. So likewise, this is a treatment, is nothing, nothing beyond the treatment. Like that doctor doesn't have shifa in his hand. The Hakims in India are so on even up to now, those who do the stigma and they write out their prescriptions. Right at the top of their prescription, this would be standard. They would have worse shaman. Allah Ta'ala is the one who gives cure. And this is the prescription. The cure is from Allah. So like that doctor doesn't have shifa in his hand. He only administers the treatment as the means. And Allah Ta'ala wills by the wish of will of Allah Ta'ala, then that becomes a means of shifa. Likewise, nobody has any cure in their hand. الَّذِي هُوَ نِكْتِمُنِ وَيْدَى مَرِيْتُ فَهُوَ يَحْدِينَ Ibrahim said, when he was giving the da'wah of Tawheed, Allah Ta'ala is the dua. الَّذِي يُمِيْتُنِي ثُمَّ يُحْدِينَ Allah Ta'ala is the one who has given me life, he will give death. Allah Ta'ala feeds me. And when I get sick, Allah Ta'ala gives cure. Nobody else. But as the means I adopted in dunya for other things, this is the means. A person can resort to the means, but he should be first doing his homework properly. That it is somebody who is reliable, somebody who is knowledgeable, somebody who is adherent to the Sharia and Sunnah. And especially in the case of where treatment of women is involved, somebody who abides by the laws of Parda, etc. Otherwise, they have to sometimes some unspeakable things happening also. So we have to be very careful what we do and where we go. And many people have been fleeced out of their money and nothing happened. One person was this kind of a bogus army. So now people somehow made himself very famous. So people would now talk to him. So he had, this is a very, this is a hundred percent effective Tawis. A hundred percent effective Tawis. And what is the Tawis? Whatever he would say. And then now he will give it to the person after he collected the money obviously. And he will give it to him and he will say to him, there is one condition only for the effect of this Tawis. The one condition is that make sure that you are taking this or whatever, using it, drinking this thing that I give you. At that time, you mustn't think of a monkey. But that's all. So now, when somebody is told something like that, you can write it down 100% that as he's taking that to his mouth, he'll think of a monkey. <laughs> so now, after some time, the person so much he paid for it, now he comes and says, nothing happening. He says, I'm sure you must be thinking about a monkey. How do I keep the thought out? <laughs> so that is all this is a very fancy way of now making sure that this will never work obviously, but to keep his back covered. That I did my job, you not doing yours. <laughs> so this is how people get pleased and people get taken for a ride, and such a ride sometimes that they get thrown far away in the deep end. So this is something that is permissible, provided it is within the limits of Sharia and Deen. Provided the person is consulting someone 
who is reliable to and the main factor in that belief is somebody who is Allah knows best with whom we can't dig into the private lives of people but apparently the person is somebody pious. We are not accountable to go into beyond anybody, beyond what we can see. But the person is punctual in the salah, in adhering to the sunnah as far as we can see, person is honest, reliable, and that up to that extent, that's fine. But otherwise we have to be very careful. So this is the middle path in all this. On the one hand, a person doesn't leave his home wide open, leave the doors wide open, no burglars in the windows, and no source of security at all. And he says, let's leave it like that, doesn't matter, and everything will be fine. No, dunya is dunya. And the system of dunya is that if you leave something lying around, maybe somebody else will be picking it up also. So a person takes the means of protection. He puts burglar guards on top of the burglar guards, he's got alarm systems, and then he's got a big boundary wall, and on top of the boundary wall, he's got electric fencing also, and then on top of that, he's still got a guard. But yet, on top of all that, also sometimes the burglars still can get inside. It happens, this is dunya. With all the security, also sometimes, the burglars still get inside. So, likewise, a person doesn't leave himself unsecure. He adopts these divine prescriptions of protection. After having secured himself, sometimes as a challenge, as a test, something can still creep in. It affected Rasulullah as a challenge, as a test, but it became a means of so many lessons for the Ummah also. So, a person should take the protection, take the lessons that have been given to us in the Quran and Sunnah, don't pay too much attention to these things. But if as a last resort he has to resort to some amir, then within the permissible limits, and that means we should consult Allah Akram and find out that what are the permissible limits, then accordingly he practice on that. But the very important thing is that a person should keep himself in the line of being. To the extent that the environment that a person keeps himself is a clean environment then this will be a greater means of protection. A person deliberately puts himself in environments of sin, somebody is going to a place where all types of sin is taking place, music is being played there, and other evils are taking place, and now he's becoming part of the crowd. But that's a place where the shayateen will be, will be fucking. Shayateen, the effects will be intense. Now he's exposing himself to that. People, one of the things that happens due to which they become affected is the, one of the things that was envisaged was the tafsir of the last two surahs of the Quran Sharif, but there's no time for that. But the text of this, that we have been asked to seek protection from various things. And among that is, we mean, Sharbi has to be with our That the seeking the protection of the jealousy of the one who acts from that jealousy, the one who expresses that jealousy. What we learn from this is that often people resort to doing these kind of things out of jealousy. person gets jealous over somebody else's wealth, somebody else's good, somebody else's happiness. So now he is burning with that jealousy, so now he's trying to do something to harm him. But the other part of the lesson is that we should not invite people's jealousy. Invite people's jealousy by flushing what Allah has given us. Enjoy the nafas of Allah Ta'ala within the world, all means, but they don't need to make a display of everybody. A person wants to always be in the eye, 
So to do things in a way that everybody's head must turn. And he must become the center of attraction. But now he starts making himself the center of attraction, that Al-Ainu Haqqun, he'll invite his nazar, which Nabi Salaam says is Haqq, it has its effect. So he must not invite this. Then, the other thing is, that we discussed this aspect which was buried in that well. One of it was this wax figure. So on this figure, those twins were poked in there, and this sihir was done by this figure, which was meant to, na'udhu represent Rasulullah The important thing to take the lesson from here is, that even photographs can be misused with this kind of purpose. Now this has become the fashion of the time. Everybody is taking selfies. It sounds so much like selfish. And it's like, well, selfish is something to do with the ego. All this is the ego thing. Person finds himself, mashallah, so handsome, he's taking his own photograph. He's the star of the town. And nobody like him. So this is all coming back to Uji, which is the major malady of the heart. Person is finding himself so grand. He's taking over him. And then the same thing passes all over the place. And he can become a means of all these things happening. Okay? Start off with that it's impermissible, it's haram. And on top of that, this is a person exposing himself to all these kind of issues as well. So on the one hand, we don't put ourselves in these type of difficulties by deliberately inviting the jealousy of people, inviting the mother of people, and Providing the material for people to misuse. And this, on the other side, undertake the divine protection that Allah has given us, and then we resort to dua. Dua is the weapon of the movement. We keep ourselves in the environments of deen. We keep ourselves in the environments where this yaqeen is kept correct. In the path of Allah, in the company of the ulama, the mashayikh, we are all the time rejuvenating this imam. And the homes, as we discussed it out of the Quran, Zikr, and all the good amal, and this becomes a means of protection. Then, inshallah, with the help of Allah and with these blessings, inshallah, we'll be protected. The Muslim du'as that we discussed, all this should become a part and parcel of our lives. In this way, inshallah, Allah will grant us the good of dunya, the protection in dunya also, and this will become our means of the jab in the akhirat as well. Allah ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Allahumma <laughs> 
وجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اجعلنا هداة المهتدين غير ضالين ولا مضلين اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله